Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out of pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Personally, you know, I, I always, like I mentioned, I always look at myself um, as trying to serve the world and use my life as an instrument for greater good. So to me, it's, I always wake up in the morning and, and, you know, ask myself, okay, how can I be of service? How can I, you know, have the biggest impact with, you know, whatever the 12 hours I have today to give back. Um, and to me, that's the biggest thing is, and then that allows me to kind of take the ego out of it, you know, and just remind myself to, to go with the flow and be of service of whatever comes my way or whatever tasks I have to tackle for that day. And um, I really think that makes a difference because when, you, when you're used, when you're operating from that space of flow and that space of giving back, um, you attract this different energy to you and to the project and to everyone who surrounds you. How you day, how you day. That was the voice of Reka, and we are talking about boundless education. That is the school that Reka runs. And in the episode, we go through the benefits of what boundless education is. Her whole entire program is about designing a curriculum that enables your child to learn while they explore the world. Now, they go through rigorous academics, but their education is centered on leveraging the local cultures as well as environments to deliver an unparalleled learning experience, including arts, music, and nature exploration. I really enjoyed the episode because a big part of what I feel like we need to do, especially if we're going to to bridge divides in today's culture, is to really re-engineer the way we learn in school. I think too many times when we learn in school, it's not suited to all the skill sets that is within us, especially as children. And many of you know your curiosity is usually at its highest when you're a child. So why not allow your mind to explore the depths of that curiosity? I hope you enjoyed the episode. And if you or anyone know people interested in alternative education, the links will be in the show notes. Please check it out. And they're running their schools across several continents. Enjoy! Welcome everyone to another episode of As Told by Nomads, and today's guest is Reka Megan. Now, she's the co-founder and head of education of Boundless Life, one of my favorite discoveries of, of 2023, because her goal is really to create a, a, a situation where she provides a network of thoughtfully designed communities in beautiful destinations around the world where families can develop connections, work remotely, and be culturally immersed while children benefit from a forward 
thinking and transformational education system. Can't think of a better way to develop global leaders. So I am very, very happy to welcome Rika to the show. Welcome. Thank you. I'm happy to be here. The pleasure is mine. I, that is a big mission. I've got to say, I got to say this, this concept of communities that are developing connections, working remotely and, and, you know, culturally immersing children. I, I, I want to ask a technical question. So do the people in, in, in the school that you, you're developing schools, you're developing have to have parents that live in remote environments, because I, I can imagine that that has got to be a core ingredient for that to even work in the first place. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think the majority of our of our clients um, have at least one parent, you know, that has the flexibility of working remotely. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think the pandemic's been a huge catalyst for this kind of lifestyle as well, right? Mm-hmm. Um, the pandemic allowed so many people to be able to shift to remote work on a more permanent basis. Major companies, whether it's Google, Facebook, a lot of them issued, you know, permanent work from anywhere policies, which has kind of unleashed this, you know, um, new way of living for so many parents. And on the flip side, you know, the pandemic also gave a lot of parents insight onto what the traditional education system um brings to their own children, right? Through visual, uh, virtual schools, parents kind of for the first time got a, a first row seat of what kids are actually learning in the traditional system and realized that, hey, you know, I don't even know, I don't really know if this is what I want for my kids. So I think that the timing of it is 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 um, one of the biggest things that, that made us launch the company. Um, and yeah, you know, there's so many people out there who can work from anywhere. So, you know, why just work from home? Let's make home anywhere around the world. So no, so I, I love this. Yeah, I, I'm I'm a professor and I do a lot of educating. That's just you know outside of the consultant work. But one of the reasons I became a professor was because I wanted to find a way to educate people to look like me. I remember I was doing a I don't know I was doing a book tour at one at one school in New Jersey, and um, I remember just saying, "Wow, this is the first time I'm seeing kids that look like me." And I was looking at how they they uh, resonate with me, and so I went to the administration and it was an interesting challenge to figure out how to just be, you know, be an adjunct on that sense. And that experience always stuck with me because of the red tape and the barriers Mm -hmm. that exist to provide those opportunities. It doesn't sound like your school has those type of barriers for, you know, providing the right type of teachers with their or educators rather with the right type of students and with the right types of parents and i i feel like in the education system we have so many unnecessary red tape and barriers that actually prevent the students from gaining the knowledge that they need do you agree or disagree no totally i i you know i we see that with the educators that we hire right we call all the teachers that have come into our ecosystem already it's uh, the, the biggest feedback they give us is they feel like they're free to yeah. finally educate the way they want to educate, right? Because we don't have the red tape. We're building our own education model. Uh, we've kind of based our the boundless education model on the Finnish, uh, the Finnish model of education. Saw that. Uh, yeah. 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 And and one of the things I love about I loved about the Finnish education system is that they give their educators so much autonomy, right? So they're not given like textbooks and lesson plans that they have to follow, you know, for every single semester, they're given the autonomy to get to know the children in their particular classroom, understand what they're passionate about, and then create their own lesson plans, 
you know, around what that particular group of children uh, will thrive on. So I think that's something that we've heard a lot from our educators is that having this kind of freedom to teach the way uh, they want to teach is, is liberating and very attractive. It's a big deal. I, you know, because you're, you run a school. So you, you have to think of the educators, you have to think of the students, you have to think of the parents. These are all different sectors that need different things. You know, we, I'm sure parents who want their kids to have a full experience, the kids who want to make sure that they feel like they're part of a community, um, the educators who want to make sure that they're really making a difference. Right. And so there, there are all these factors that you have to cater to. And when I look at some of the traditional elements, uh, I, I do, it does sometimes <laughs> make me frustrated because uh, I'm always thinking like this could be easily solvable if you really allowed more real life experience into that, mm -hmm. which you're solving with immersion. Now, yes. what is the first lesson that you, you found uh, when you, I guess you've had one cohort or two cohorts? Uh, we launched in February of last year. So we've done almost six cohorts now and we're six. in three different... Yeah, we have operations in three different countries now. Okay. Uh, so we've, yeah. <laughs> so we've that got, changes you know, my question. <laughs> okay. <laughs> short, short amount of time, but uh, we, we have operations in Portugal, Greece, and Italy at the moment. Yeah. Portugal, uh, Greece, and Italy. So uh, Mediterranean, Western Europe. I, I And then I got to ask the question this way what have been the pleasant surprises and what have been the challenges so far? Sure. So, um, to, to go back on your first question, you know, I think you nailed it when it comes to education and giving kids like more hands-on experiences. That's, that's what we're all about. You know, I think all of us growing up, the moments that we remember the most are when our hands were in it and we're experiencing something, right? There's a very different uh, memory to anything that you've experienced to something that you've just read. So mm -hmm. that's the first premise that we kind of have built this model upon is like, let's educate children. Let's make sure that they're they're thinking outside of the box. They're being creative. But how do we get them to experience what it is they're learning? You know, so mm -hmm. like a simple example, all of our project-based units are based on the UN Sustainable Development Goal. So each cohort that we run, the kids are working on a real-world UN SDG where they're learning their math, they're learning their English, but then right away, they're applying it to solving a real-world problem. And to me, that changes everything, right? Because if you're learning like long division, just for the sake of learning long division, you have no love for learning. You don't care to do this. You're doing it to pass a test. But if you're learning long division, because, hey, somehow this is going to relate to me helping solve world hunger, you your whole approach to learning completely changes. So does, that's yeah. one thing we have a huge emphasis on, because you mentioned hands-on learning. And I think that's something that, you know, I definitely wanted to highlight. Um your second question, what have what have we learned and what would we have done better? Was that what it was? Yes, yes. What, what yes. well, essentially what have been the pleasant surprises and what have been maybe some of the challenges? So pleasant surprise, I would say, is the kind of organic community that's um that's that's immersed that has been birthed through all the cohorts that we've we've run. Um, it's been amazing to see like families come to us from around the world. And within, you know, a few hours, build this incredible community bond with one another where kids are doing, you know, play dates after the first date and everyone's getting together for, you know, dinner at nighttime. And the beauty of so many families uh, meeting up in one place in the world where they don't know anybody and they're sharing these new experiences together 
um, has been incredible to see just the community that's formed. It's almost like this big family, this like boundless family that emer get, gets emerged every time we launch a new cohort. So that's something that's been a really beautiful, pleasant surprise. Um, I think what I would say we've learned, again, it's only been 11 months, but we've learned a lot. Um, I would say is to be really crystal clear on what it is we are, like from an education standpoint, um, what we stand for, um, and to be just as confident on what we don't stand for, you know, so yeah. as a startup launching this, you know, new education system, um, I, I learned that you have to be very crystal clear on what it is you are, um, and what it is you aren't, so that you ensure you're attracting uh, families that align with your vision and mission. Well, I mean that that sense of clarity is is really important as a as an entrepreneur. You 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 were in ed tech before this, right? You had a company before this, um, if I yeah. right correctly. And that sort of your MVP, your most valuable, you know, uh, product or viable product rather, where you really show who it's for, who benefits from it, and how it differentiates itself from the rest of the uh, similar, you know, offers in the marketplace uh, becomes really important. And then the confidence in that is absolutely is easy to sustain. And, and and the communication, right, to make sure that you're 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 passing on that message in a clear manner so that people know what it is you stand for. Yeah. Do do you do you experience a lot of, I guess, for lack of a better word haters or naysayers right one of the things i've experienced i'll just say from personal experience is someone who i'm a disruptor in my head i, I my yeah. goal is to disrupt any system of oppression right so whether it's with my diversity equity inclusion work or any of these things i like to go into established <laughs> establishments and, and really just upend the system um yeah. but there's a lot of pushback uh, i've noticed sometimes from deans right if you know i'll present a curriculum and be like no we can't do that here uh or you know administrators like no we have establishing relationships with all these other people this doesn't work do you have the the, the haters that against your form of education yeah i mean i think there's always there's always haters for anybody i think what we're doing is also so revolutionary like we're really yes. like uprooting the way not only kids are educated, but the way families are living, right? So um, I know like our families have shared with us or even ourselves, like a lot of fam other families think you're nuts to like, you know, leave your <laughs> house and pull your, pull your kids out of school and go live in a foreign country for six months or nine months. Like, you know, you're gonna, are you messing up the kids? What are you doing? So there's definitely that, that element of fear, you know, that I think our society has been so ingrained in doing things one particular way, like especially right. when it comes to education, right? Education is an industry that has not evolved at all since no. the Industrial Revolution. So to do something disruptive in education when you're dealing with young children and families and the way they live, um, definitely a lot of haters. It's funny, we're just, we have these like boundless connections where all our families get together and we have like, breakfast together and so many of our families have shared that you know all the haters who like thought they were nuts when they first joined us and were leaving their their you know comfort zone have now turned into our messaging them constantly like hey how do I do this how do I live this lifestyle you know I was completely wrong how do I get my family doing what you're doing so definitely haters um, out there but I think with time it's just a matter of them you know crossing over and realizing, hey, I can, I can do this as well. Usually the haters are also a little bit 
kind of envious I've learned, you know, like, oh, how come I can't live that lifestyle? And I think once this becomes a little more mainstream where more people can, um, it'll be become a lot easier. Yeah. I mean, even here in the United States, you have, I mean, I don't know how much you've been paying attention, but there, there's so much pushback to like, hey, uh, AP Black History, for example, in Florida, it, it was a big thing, or like critical race theory, all these core elements around things that enhance several people's identity. And I, I imagine your student body looks very diverse, right? And so that's that's another layer that, you know, that, that I'm talking about where the history looks different from what we got when we were younger, where other elements uh, of uncomfortable history or critical thinking through some of the things that we might have just implicitly accepted become a source of conflict for parents because for whatever reason, they might think you're brainwashing our kids into, into all those things. So I, I just always wonder about that, um, you know, with uh, revolutionary schools, because I've always seen that uh, from the outside, but you're, you're an actual head of a school here. So, but, uh, yeah, I, no, you know, that's, I think that's why a lot of parents also want to take their kids out of the traditional system, right? Because I mean, at the end of the day, public schools are government schools, right? That your, your, your children are being taught what the government wants your children to be taught. Mm. And uh, it's not really up to you what they learn. It's up to the government of how they portray history and how they portray, you know, events that happen that, Probably you all, not probably always have, you know, two sides of the story. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, yeah. that was, that was one of the things personally that I pulled my kid, like my pulled my kids out at, you know, kindergarten because I was like, you know what? Hiring for your small business. If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Why, why do I want history or just general life topics of life to be exposed by what you know I'm, I'm from Quebec what the Quebec government wants my kids to learn like that just doesn't make sense that they're such ripe kids that are going to believe whatever they hear and to me it's so important that we're cautious on how yeah. we portray all of these things to young minds no 100 percent um now i'm very curious about this right you know a big part of my work is is you know diverse and inclusion so i always think about access um, when you think about today's world, the access to opportunities really separates the type of experience you could have, whether it's, it's a kid or, or uh, a student. And then you have a lot of systemic issues that might prevent access. I imagine there are a lot of kids who might not have the benefit of having, you know, parents who, you know, have companies that are willing to be flexible in that, in that sense. And I'm not saying that you have to do that now, but 
is this something you've thought about in the future to be able to create access for kids that come from um, marginalized backgrounds in that sense so that they can experience a worldly education and more well-rounded um, worldview, I guess, of the world? Absolutely. We've already, I mean, that was one of the first things we talked about, you know, when, when we, we came up with this idea is how can we make this more mainstream and be able to give this opportunity to all children? Um, so we are working in the background, we're still early, but we are working in the background on scholarship programs, right? Mm -hmm. So um, being able to, we're already approaching like big philanthropies, companies where we can, you know, have a dedicated amount just for full on scholarships, where we can fund families to come and live the same lifestyle uh, abroad, and not only abroad, but, you know, since we've launched, we've had a lot of families who really align with the education model that we've built, and want to be able to take this education back home and launch like a boundless micro school into their own community. So that's yeah. something we, we started working on this summer as well, is being able to empower families or educators or school leaders to open their own micro school in, you know, counties around the world uh, so that this type of education is available to everybody. Yes. And then from then, you know, rather than you don't always have to travel the world, but you can have the education from your home and then plug in and out of any of our destinations when and if the time is right, you know, so oh. you get a, kind of the best of both worlds. Oh, that's, that's amazing, Rekha, because, I, I, you know, I, I'm part of this program here in the United States. It's called Big Brother, Big Sister. You, you know, you're paired mm -hmm. with... Yeah, with someone. I from, used to be a big sister. Oh, you did. Okay, so <laughs> yeah, you, you in Montreal. Oh wow. Yeah, yeah okay. I know it well. So, when you you're in those systems, you're always thinking about certain things. You're like, oh dang, the, you know, the, the the opportunity and access. So it really just warms my my heart to hear that because if you can even create those micro communities, that's uh, th that can do so much for how they see themselves. Kids see themselves, and a lot of kids are in their formative periods of their lives. You know, you and I had the the benefit of growing up with uh parents that inculcated that when we were young during the formative periods of your lives I, my understanding is your parents are immigrant uh parents yeah. i think is it one is from india and your yeah mom? i mean my, my my dad my dad was born in india and my mom okay. was born in africa in malawi malawi yes that was yeah, a, so yeah. was it a long way i'm not sure or yeah <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah geography. <laughs> <laughs> i love it this is one of the reasons my dad <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I love it. I don't know every capital of the world. Um, so uh, that kind of a background. So so let's say Malawi, India, go to Mont Montreal, and then you have this um, benefit of seeing the world. And it, I'm sure it influences how you decide to create a system for your kids, which ultimately, exp you know, uh, you know, expands into the rest of the kids in the world. That's what I'm talking about. There, you, you, no one can ever. Ima I'm sure you didn't imagine doing this when you were younger, but it's because of your lived experience that your professional experience was able to be tied to your lived experience. And so imagine the amount of problems we could solve if other kids just have access to just creativity. Totally. And that, that's honestly how this all stemmed. Like when I was uh, pregnant with our first child, you know, as a, as a first time mother, you start thinking like, okay, what is it that I want to bring my kids? And I, I, I quickly realized that Hey, I, I traveled a lot as well when I was a kid and was coming from these like immigrant parents, you know, a lot of focus on community service, giving back to the community and mindfulness. So that's kind of how I grew up. And I knew like what an edge that gave me, you know? So for me, it was like a no brainer. That's what I wanted for my kids. But, you know, they're pregnant. I'm like, well, that's not fair, right? If I know how beneficial this is, why would I only bring it to my kids? Like all kids deserve this. And mm. 
know, that's what stemmed my first company, the Mindful Scholar, bringing mindfulness into the public school system, and then now Boundless. Well, speaking of the edge, I mean, you were student by president valedictorian, so it wasn't just any edge. It was you were the edge. <laughs> <laughs> it was, yeah, and and honestly, though, I like I can't even take credit for that because I don't, I don't, I I don't believe that was just the skills that I had. I really believe that it was the upbringing I had, right? To see the world from a young age, to to learn how to give back from a very young age, to learn mindfulness, to travel, all of that kind of collectively brought me to those successes, you know? And I think, you know, if we know that, like you, this is what all children should have access to. Yeah, I, I love that. Uh, well, since we're staying, we said access there, how can people decide to enroll in your in your program? Your school, uh, so, school calendar. I, yeah. I, I, I don't know if you have, you have, you have a rigid school calendar? Because you said you had six cohorts in less than a year. I'm trying to figure out how that is even possible. Yeah, we do. So we do, we do three month cohorts. Okay. Um, so it's a minimum, you have to commit to three month court. And then we also do like a summer program for families who, you know, really just want to try it out in the summer before they commit to, to an academic school year. Um, yeah, the best way is to visit our website, uh, boundless.life and uh, all the steps on, uh, you know, learning more and booking a call with, uh, someone on our team to, to take the next steps. Yeah. Is it grade one? What is the grade system? Is it grade one to grade 12 or is it, what is the... I guess great question. Yeah. So we we currently have mixed age groups. So we have four different classrooms. Uh, we service ages one to twelve. So okay. we have the first group, ages one to three, then four to six, seven to nine, and ten to twelve. And there's no distinction about what grade they're in. It's just their their age group, and then we base yeah we base it on we focus a lot on personalized learning. So when each child uh, joins us in a cohort, the first week is really just understanding the child, understand doing certain assessments and reading and writing and math to understand where they are in our different programs. And then because we have small classroom sizes, we really cater to each child so that they can continue from wherever they are and show growth in their particular area. You know, one thing I always, I've always questioned about the traditional school system is, you know, anyone who has kids, I don't know if your listeners have kids, but anyone who has kids knows clearly that two kids brought up in the same environment, same parents, same upbringing are always without a fail, completely different, right? Yes. So knowing that, why does our education system educate kids of the same age, the exact same way? It's like one, it's a cookie cutter system. It's never made sense to me. It's never made sense. So that's, that's why we really focus on personalized learning and meeting the kid where they're at. I was listening to, I don't know if you know him, but Dr. Gabor Mate, um, I think he's Canadian as well, but he has a, you know, uh, Eastern European background. I forget the country. He he's a psychologist, right? So he he was talking about that too. He is the one first one that brought to my attention. He said, you know, you could grow up in the same household and have a completely different, you know, relationship. You know, yeah. you don't have the same kid, uh, essentially. And it's such a simple concept what you're saying. But a lot of parents, I'm not a parent, but a lot of parents, in my understanding, when they talk to me, they like to think that if they're providing the same thing. That means the kid has the same relationship to whatever they're providing. And it's really not true because everybody has, you know, you have your own, even if you think about mental health, you have your own trauma, your own anxiety, your own relationship to that and your own natural affinity. There's the nature versus nurture aspect of that. So it's, it's so cool that you can customize it to that sense. 
Yeah. Yeah. Even like before, before a student even arrives, we, we do like create like a 360 profile on each kid. So we have like someone on our team get to know the kid before they arrive. Are they more, more of a visual learner? Are they more of a movement more learner? Do they learn from auditory? Like, cause everyone learns differently. So like, I know myself, right. It's so important. And why are we not doing this in, in the education system? It makes no sense. So oh, really gosh. shifting, shifting the whole approach to education. I can't tell. I went through, I think maybe six curriculums or five, depending. Cause we, when we, my dad was a diplomat. So you move, you change schools and all those things. And, um, you know, I, I managed to do stay within the top 10. I was, we, we in Nigeria, we have a head boy, which is more of a British system. It's, it's, I yeah. guess the equivalent of student by first, but you have more responsibility because I went to boarding school. Right. Yeah. But you know, I, I, I was like in the top 10, I wasn't in the top three or top four, but I, I wasn't like the traditional, <laughs> um, <laughs> learner I was always this creative but you had tracks and so mm -hmm. I felt stifled so many times and a lot of teachers didn't know what to do with me you have too much energy you have this but because I managed to you know stay above the academic threshold it was seen as ah, I guess he's fine he's just like this energetic kid but as I got older it was very clear to me that my uh, type of learning was experiential and I'm very visual even auditory right you know I, I listen to things at 3x speed which makes a lot of my 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 friends just like are you what's wrong with you but <laughs> i had to find those learning styles for me to consume information because it was just my style and i and then i looked to my inner child and i was like i wonder what i would have done in school if i had mm -hmm. access to this opportunity or if a teacher didn't chastise me for just the way that i inputted information so it's interesting you say that yeah huh. yeah yeah Okay. So in, in the sense of the future, what are you hoping for? Great question. <laughs> um, <laughs> I mean, for me, you know, I think the vision is to, you know, develop children that are active and impactful learners where they know that they can have an impact on the world. Like you talked about change makers, right? In the beginning of uh, when we first talked and really to empower kids to know that they can make a difference in the world and that they have all the skills they need to do whatever it is they wanna do in life. Um, in terms of like a global vision, you know, for me, it's it's bringing these boundless education micro schools to, you know, a thousand different locations in the world and being able to untether families from this like locked in lifestyle that everyone is stuck to, you know, and really being able to, to give them the freedom to go live anywhere in the world without their children's education being interrupted. For me, that's really the vision is to give, empower children to be active, impactful learners and, you know, unleash parents to have a more free lifestyle where they're in charge of you know, where they want to go next and what they want to explore. That's so beautiful. Uh, um, I imagine there's some professors uh, and teachers, educators who are thinking uh, of your school <laughs> as they listen to this episode. How can they, you know, make that uh, transition? How can they work with you? Um, so on our website, we have um, a careers page. We're all actively hiring because we're launching new locations all the time. Uh, so to just visit our website and and apply, you can apply anytime and uh, get your CV in our database. And if you're open to to relocating and uh, joining one of our future locations, then uh, we'll definitely, you know, reach out. 
Okay. Okay. This is so cool. I, I'm going to make sure we, we put the link in the show notes. Uh, I, I'm just really impressed with uh, your background and how you turned your, your vision into a mission, uh, which is, which is, it's, it's not everyone that could do that. And not everyone can say that. So it's, uh, I got to commend you on that. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, um, I think, yeah, I was going to say like, it, it, it's funny. It's almost like when you have this like feeling in you, it almost becomes like a duty. Like it's not yes. even like, oh, I want to do that. It, like I feel like it, this is my duty to bring yes. this to the world, to families around the world. So like, I can't even, I can't take credit. Like, I just feel like this is my service and I got to stay dedicated to it. And that's it. Oh, I'm going to give you the credit anyway, because <laughs> I think a lot of people <laughs> feel like they have that duty, but not everyone takes that next step. So I I, I got to commend you in that. Um, Thank you. You're welcome. The The last question I have is in the mission statement of this podcast. And the mission statement is use your difference to make a difference. So, Reka, how do you use your difference to make a difference? Ooh, I like that question. Thank you. Um, how do I use my difference to make a difference? Uh, oh, such a hard question. <laughs> I mean, uh... you, you've already been answering that, though, throughout the, uh, the interview. We're being fair anyway. Yeah, I'd say, you know, to me, it's, it's uh, personally, you know, I, I always, like I mentioned, I always look at myself um, as trying to serve the world and use my life as an instrument for greater good. So to me, it's, I always wake up in the morning and, and, you know, ask myself, okay, how can I be of service? How can I, you know, have the biggest impact with, you know, whatever the 12 hours I have today to give back. Um, and to me, that's the biggest thing is, and then that allows me to kind of take the ego out of it, you know, and just remind myself to, to go with the flow and be of service of whatever comes my way or whatever tasks I have to tackle for that day. And, um, I really think that makes a difference because when you, when you're used, when you're operating from that space of flow and that space of giving back, um, you attract this different energy to you and to the project and to everyone who surrounds you. Um, so to me, that's kind of how I, I guess how I use my difference. I don't know if that's a difference, but that's how I approach no, I, my life to make a difference. Yeah. It is. I mean, that sense of awareness is so, so important, right? And I don't think everyone has that ability uh, to, to really see themselves outside of themselves. And even throughout several moments of this interview, you've been, you know, distinguishing between the privilege of your of your background, but also how that can be turned into something else and understanding how people have different experiences of that. So I, I do think that's a superpower. So yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. Uh, I, I, thank you so much for coming on the show. This has been this has been really fun. Um it's energized my day. I know it's the end of the day oh. for you there, but it's beginning <laughs> Likewise. here. Likewise. Yes, I feel like we can talk for hours. (laughs) (laughs) We could, we could. Uh, And I'm looking forward to hopefully people listening to this uh, podcast become part of your community. And so um, I got to thank you so much for for joining us. Thank you, Tayo. I really appreciate it. Nice chatting. Likewise, kings, queens, and royalty. Until next time, use a difference. Make a difference. You've just been listening to the As Told by Nomads podcast. For more ways to reach out to Tayo and to use your difference to make a difference, head over to www.tayoroxon.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. 
Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey folks, I'm Mark Marin from the WTF Podcast, and this episode is brought to you by Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues your ally to help tackle your allergy symptoms this season. I love the change of seasons, but nobody loves pollen and all those other things floating in the air that make you sneeze during this nice weather. Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues are hypoallergenic and allergist approved. So fight back against watery eyes and runny noses without worrying about irritating your skin. For this allergy season, grab Kleenex and face allergies head on. 